Hey there, I'm Melanie Reed, and this is The HR Mentor. Today I'm very grateful to be speaking to you from the traditional, unceded, and ancestral territories of the Tecumlips to Shaquetmik people within Shaquetmikulu. I recognize my privilege in this place as an uninvited guest, and I'm appreciative that I am able to live, work, and play on these beautiful lands. Today on The HR Mentor, we have a bit of a special episode and a more sobering episode. Today I want to talk about how you can stand in solidarity with Ukraine. On February 24th, Vladimir Putin launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. This was an unprovoked attack on a sovereign, democratic nation. And for the last two weeks, we have all watched and listened and tried to understand the rationale behind the atrocities we're seeing and hearing play out in the media. But from my perspective, there's nothing to understand because there is no reason for this attack other than the maniacal desires of a horrible, cruel, and tyrannical man. Now, before you accuse me of bringing politics to this platform, let me point out that this is not a political crisis. This is a humanitarian one. And I know this not only from the news headlines, but firsthand. I'm a Ukrainian Canadian. I was born in Canada, but my grandfather was born in a small village in western Ukraine called Gorodok. He and his brothers left Ukraine in the 1920s, but their older sister, Katarina, stayed in Ukraine. Her children, her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren, and her great-great-grandchildren all remain in Ukraine. Growing up, my grandfather, my Dito, spoke of Ukraine often. It was his home, and he was very proud of it. He traveled to Ukraine many times and often came home with nothing but the shirt on his back. He left pictures of our family and life in, U- in Canada, gifts, and many memorable moments, as I learned later. When he returned from his last trip to Ukraine, he said to me, Malanka, which is what his pet name was for me, when you're 12, I will take you to Ukraine. I have no idea why 12 was the magic year. I guess I could probably look after myself a little bit better, but I really looked forward to it. Now, unfortunately, when I was 11 and he was 77, he passed away from cancer after a short one-year battle. I still miss him some 37 years later, and I think of him often. He was a very passionate and fun person. Growing up, I always felt this longing for Ukraine and for our culture. My dad and I often talked of traveling there, but we didn't know who was still there and how to contact anyone. Then one day, I received a Facebook message from someone named Irina. She introduced herself as the cousin of one of our relatives in Ukraine. She actually sent it to a number of family members, and I immediately responded. Shortly after that initial connection, some 10 years ago, I was communicating with my third cousin, Luda. We stayed in touch over the years, had the odd video call, and shared pictures of our lives as our children grew. In 2014, together with my mom, my dad and I were planning a trip to Ukraine. Unfortunately, before we could book our tickets, Putin annexed Crimea and started the war in the southeastern part of Ukraine. Things were very uncertain in the country, and we decided not to go. In the following years, my dad's health was not good, 
And after that failed attempt, he never had the opportunity to see Ukraine before he passed away, also at the age of 77 in 2019. But that year, I made up for all the lost time and decided I had to go. My mom and I made arrangements with Luda, and after a short stop in Prague for me to run the Prague Marathon, another bucket list item for me, we were there, and it was more than I had imagined all those years. Luda, her father, and her uncle Sasha picked us up in Kyiv, and we traveled all day to the far west of Ukraine where Luda's parents were, close to where my Dito was born and raised. Luda and I talked nonstop for hours, and very quickly, I felt like I was home. As our visit progressed and we met close to, I want to say, 60 or 70 family members, my Dito's version of Ukraine came true for me. Our family is warm, inviting, passionate, and generous. The country is beautiful, peaceful, industrious, and full of resilient people. We saw family members living with very little and others living lives quite similar to ours. We saw people traveling by horse and wagon in the village, and then some of the craziest traffic jams I have ever seen in my life in Kyiv. My belief that Ukrainian people are very community-focused also came to life before my eyes. I did see that growing up a lot, but it was very different in the smaller towns and villages. In the town where many of my family lives, the community comes together for important events and support each other when they're in need. We were invited to a private tour of the museum because we were family from another country, and that's just what you do. We had a small family dinner with 50 people at the table that went on for nine hours. We then had a family lunch in the village. A neighbor invited herself because, you know, there were Canadians coming for lunch, and that seemed fun. And no one told her she couldn't join in. Everywhere we went, we were embraced, and people crowded together to share in this experience. We heard stories of my Dito's visits. We saw pictures of ourselves from many moons ago, the photos that my grandfather left, and stories from my aunts three years living in Ukraine. We also learned about the horrors of life under the USSR, and the more recent war started in 2014. Our very first day in the village, we went to a type of remembrance ceremony, and we saw firsthand how the annexing of Crimea which sounds so innocent on its own, had claimed the lives of so many. And we saw it all across the country. In Kyiv, we were struck by a wall in the center of the city that has the pictures and names of all the young men who had already lost their lives to Putin's greed and need for control. To the Ukrainian people, they were already at war. People had already been displaced and killed. But at that time, the West didn't really do anything. These past two weeks, I've often wondered if someone had done something then, perhaps we wouldn't be seeing what we're seeing today. So what do we do? I've had many family, friends, colleagues, and students reach out to me expressing their support, their disbelief, and their utter disgust with what's happening. But many of them also feel helpless to do anything about it. And I appreciate the support. I really do. I think it's wonderful to see how people are embracing Ukraine and Ukrainian people because that wasn't always my experience growing up. But what I want to tell you today is that there are things that you can do. There are ways that you can help, even from the safety of your secure home in Canada. 
So today I want to share with you some ways that you can get involved and help Ukraine and Ukrainian people. The first thing I encourage you to do is get involved within your own community. Go on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and search the hashtag Stand with Ukraine or Support Ukraine. Seek out Ukrainian cultural organizations or student groups if there's a university in your city. In Kamloops, we have Simya Ukrainian Cultural Society, and we're hosting rallies every Saturday at 3 p.m. in front of City Hall to raise awareness, share support and stories, and just talk about ways that we can help. Simya is also hosting a fundraiser on April 9th, and there's a Colombo Lodge fundraiser, a take-home dinner on March 16th. And today alone, I learned of two other fundraisers that are coming up. So wherever you live, I can almost guarantee that someone in your community is doing something to raise awareness or funds to help out. You don't have to be Ukrainian to care. And having support from non-Ukrainian people helps. It also continues to raise awareness that this is a global issue, not just a Ukrainian issue. Even standing in solidarity for 30 minutes helps. So make sure that you check out what's going on in your local community and see what you can do to lend a hand. The second thing I suggest you do is check your investments. I was actually having an interesting conversation with a non-Ukrainian person at the rally last weekend, and she had set up an appointment with her investment advisor to find out where her money was going and was any of it supporting Russia in a way that could help fund this war. So call your financial advisor and make sure that you aren't investing in Russian companies that could be helping to fund Putin's madness. I know many pension plans are making adjustments and others who are dropping stocks and investing elsewhere because of this. It might seem like a small thing and possibly an inconvenient thing, but if everyone did this, it would have a big impact. The third thing is to support Ukrainian businesses and a way to help support Ukrainian people directly. I had a dear colleague of mine reach out last week to see how my family was doing and to see how he could help. And he pointed out something extremely obvious, but something I hadn't thought of. And that's that all these displaced people are no longer working and earning an income. As an HR professional, I'm not sure why that didn't occur to me, but my focus had been so intent on my own family and their immediate well-being that it sort of just missed my radar. Not only have these people lost their homes, but they've lost their way of life. One of my third cousins is the regional manager of an international bank. Well, he's now a soldier in the army. Imagine that for yourself for a moment. So how can you help? Well, find ways to support Ukrainian businesses and sources of income. Two very creative things I've seen, booking rental properties in Ukraine through Airbnb or other platforms to put money in the pockets of Ukrainians. I also saw a message from a well-known business coach that I follow. Her name's Marie Forleo. And in her newsletter, she suggested that people search Etsy for sellers in Ukraine to buy their product. I thought that was brilliant. If someone makes something and they've been displaced, they've not only lost their job, but also their whole production operation and resources. Because as we know, most of those businesses are home-based businesses. So if you can buy their products that would probably really help them. 
So see if there are ways that you can support Ukrainian businesses and put money directly in the pockets of Ukrainians who have lost their jobs because of this. The fourth thing I suggest you do or you can do is to write letters and lots of them. I'll leave a link in the summary of this episode for the Ukrainian Canadian Congress. They have a letter template that you can use to send to your MP, your MLA, municipal leaders to ask them to take action at the government level to support Ukraine. They have the ability to do a lot more than we do as individuals. And I know they're already doing a lot, which is incredible. But as the war wages on, pressure may wane. So it's important to let your elected officials know that you stand with Ukraine and you want them to as well. I noticed today at a rally we had on campus that some of our elected officials were actually in attendance. And I think that's wonderful to see. And I know that's not the first event that they had attended. So you asking them to show up, to stand with Ukraine, to put pressure on levels of government where they can, does make a difference. The fifth thing I would suggest you do or you can do is share news and information from reliable sources on your social media pages. I know this can really be uncomfortable for people, and I'm not often one to post on social media, but I remind myself of my privilege when I start to feel uncomfortable, the privilege I have right now to be in the comfort of my home debating whether or not to speak up and bring awareness about a war that's hurting people. Honestly, that puts me in the right frame of mind pretty quickly. I'll share some reliable news sources beyond traditional Western media that you can follow and share information from. Of course, donating your time and any amount of funds to help with humanitarian efforts is very meaningful and it's helpful. There are so many agencies offering help right now and with over 2 million people externally displaced and many more internally displaced like my family, the need is great. A few options that are credible are the Red Cross, the UNHRC, and the Ukrainian-Canadian Congress. But there are many others. That said, you should be careful because so many so-called charities are popping up on social media and the internet, and they may not be legitimate. Find out exactly where your money is going before you transfer it. And if you find a local organization putting together packages of aid or medicine or military supplies, and you can help pack, organize, sew, or buy things... Please do that. Again, whatever you can do helps, even if it's one hour of volunteer time and $10 from your Starbucks fund. Finally, and probably most importantly, and I know this is really hard, please don't look away. I don't mean you should watch the news all day long. I certainly don't, and I can't. But as time wears on in this conflict, we'll start to lose our steam. And that it's happened before. But by continuing to stand with Ukraine and supporting the people fighting on the ground and fighting to survive, there is a chance that this war will end sooner rather than later. I want to thank you all for listening. This was a hard episode for me to do, but I also knew I had to do it. And I appreciate you supporting and standing with Ukraine. I heard something today that really resonated with me that I wanted to share with you about that statement. I stand with Ukraine. When I stand with Ukraine, it doesn't mean I don't stand for other people that have been harmed by similar invasions. I believe that their needs should also be recognized and supported. It also doesn't mean that I blame the Russian people or hate Russian people. 
I know many Russian people who are against this war. The cause of this is one person and those closest to him, not the Russian people. I stand with Ukraine means I stand against this war and the atrocities that are being leveled against a peaceful people in a sovereign nation. It means that I stand for peace and I sincerely hope that you will stand with me in whatever capacity you can. Make sure you check out the show notes for this episode and the resource page on my website at www.unicorngroup.ca forward slash stand with Ukraine. And if you have other suggestions on how people can get involved and support Ukraine and Ukrainians, please send me an email or connect with me on social media. Your support, your energy, and your time is so greatly appreciated. Slava Ukraine!